Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by Bible teacher Clay Scroggins and was recorded on Sunday, March 12th, 2023. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. And you can also follow us on Instagram at, at FaithBridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Clay. Sonny and the team. You guys are a lot more awake than the first service was, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that hour, I don't know. You guys, uh, any of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I was going to say any of you go to the first service normally, but you're like, I can't. I just can't today, all right? I needed that extra hour. I get it. It's real. Um, we're in Acts 4, and if you uh, have a Bible, you can grab your Bible and open it up. If you need a Bible, we've got one that we'd love to just uh, loan you or give you, or you can use it for the, the day, but um, I love this series that we're just trucking through. Such an exhilarating book. This is really such an important story because it's the story of our faith, of what happened after the resurrection of Jesus. Today we're going to be in Acts 4, and I just want to say way to go for being here. Uh, if you're watching online, even way to go. Um, I hope that today is beneficial, and I hope it encourages you. This has been, uh, this has been really good for me to go through Acts 4. My name's Clay, by the way, and really um, grateful to get to get to walk through Acts 4 together. We're going to start in verse 18 and we're going to go to verse 31. But before we get there, let me just set it up with this simple little um, illustration. When I was uh, 18 years old, I preached my first sermon. And I didn't even necessarily intend for it to be a sermon. But I had uh, previous, I I graduated high school in 1998. I was 18 years old. The beginning of that school year, I had won our election to be the senior class president for our, uh, our class of seniors. I had promised that I was going to replace all the water fountains with Gatorade, and uh, it was an empty promise, but nonetheless, it won the election. I'm not the first politician to do that, and I certainly won't be the last. But one of the perks or curses, and it depends on your, uh, your disposition, but uh, is instead of the valedictorian, which oftentimes high schools will have the valedictorian speak at high school graduation, but the high school I went to in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the high school, the senior class president speaks at graduation. And I was really looking forward to that. At the time, I didn't even know that I would enjoy um, the craft of putting a sermon together as much as I do, but that was really, honestly, it was the first sermon that I had ever preached. I didn't know you weren't supposed to preach a sermon in that moment. I think you're supposed to just talk about, you know, wow, it's been a great year, and what, you remember that story about so-and-so? And, but I decided to share, here's what I believe about life. And as I was reading this passage in Acts 4, I really was flooded back with a lot of these memories, because as we're going to see in just a second, there was something that shook the room that these followers of Jesus were in. We don't know if it was a move of God. We don't know if it was an earthquake. But we all know what it's like for life to shake us, right? Life will shake us. That's just what it does. 
And I used this little illustration at that time, which I'll just simply share right now. When I, when I was um, on our high school baseball team, I was, out, I, I was on our team. I didn't really play a lot, but I was a part of a lot of the celebrations whenever someone would do something well. And my buddy, Jeremy Burridge, who he got to play a lot, his dad, Clark, was the, ran the loudspeaker. So he'd be the one that announced everybody when they came up to bat. And I don't know where Clark got this idea, but he decided whenever someone hit a home run, he was going to play this this song, I thought instead of just handing it to the uh, wonderful people in the back, I thought I'd just play it for you. See if you recognize this song. Anybody know that? How, how many of you, you're like, that was my era of music? Yeah, a few of you. A few of you just are really, you're like back in your history. Um, how many of you, you've never heard that song before? A good portion of you? Great. Everyone who's under the age of 40 just raised their hand. <laughs> just a simple way to show everyone. Now, uh, again, this is 1998. That song was released by the Gap Band in 1982. I don't know where Clark got this song. The first time he played it, we were like, Jeremy, what is your dad doing? Does he know that none of us listen to this? I mean, if he would have played like Snoop Dogg or Dr. Dre or something, anything from the Super Bowl last year, we would have been like, that makes sense. But the Gap Band, nobody listens to that. But it kind of became the, the anthem for the team. And so I used that little idea that sometimes life drops bombs on us, right? Because it does. I mean, it, you know, as wonderful as graduation is, as wonderful maybe as you're feeling today, I don't mean to be a, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to rain on your parade, but life does do that. There are things that pop up in our life that will shake us, right? I mean, maybe it's a breakup in a relationship. Maybe it's some kind of financial collapse. I mean, just in the past couple of weeks, my wife, uh, one of her older brothers just got diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer. They, they think they can treat it but it's just really shaken our family. Uh, I was on the phone just this week with a couple of friends of mine who both reached out to me because they both lost their jobs uh, for different reasons and different ways, and it's just really shaken them, obviously. And maybe you're in a season like that. If you're not in a season right now, you certainly know what it's like for life to just pop up and shake us. The question that we're gonna try to answer that Acts 4, I feel like, gives us some really great handles on is, this question right here, what, what is holding you up when life does shake you? What, are you? what are you holding on to and what's holding you up? When you think about, well, what is it that's giving you confidence that you can make it when life starts to come apart? Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your own health, maybe it's your wealth. Maybe you think about just, well, I, I, I you know, the, the simple concept of the American dream is I, I can handle it. I'm going to be able to make it. I'm going to be able to get through. Maybe it's just your persistence, your energy, your toughness, the fact that you've been through stuff before. Maybe you feel like you've got a good sense of resilience. But we all know from time to time in life, things pop up where we just, we, I, I don't have what it takes. And it's really in those moments that we find out what our faith is all about, right? Do, do you remember the story of Job from the Old Testament? It's really a tragic story. It's a sad story, but it's a remarkable story. Job 1 begins with God having this conversation with Satan, which is pretty bizarre. And the almighty God tells Satan, hey, as you're looking to and fro around earth, I don't know if you've noticed Job, but that's a man of a lot. He's got a lot of faith. That's a remarkable man. And Satan gives, G, gives God this line. He says, well, 
are you telling me that he gets nothing out of his fear of God? Is his fear of God for nothing? He's basically saying he fears you because of all the good you've done for him. He's got a great family. He's got a lot of wealth. He's got a lot going for him. He's, he's not a servant of you. He's a consumer. It's worked out for him. And the truth is, for a lot of us, that's been our story. Maybe that's your stories. Maybe you would say, you know what? My faith hasn't really been tested that much. And others of you would say, no, my faith has really been tested. And it's in those seasons where life shakes us that I have realized what faith is really all about. And that's what we're gonna find in Acts 4 today. We're gonna find these believers who go, hey, we are following Jesus. We're believing in the resurrection of Jesus. We are consumed, not with all that we get, but we're consumed with how do we get this message out there because it's changed our life. And it, regardless of how much suffering we get into, regardless of all the bumps in the roads, regardless of all the bombs that life drops on us, we're, we're, we're in awe of what God has done for us. And it's moved us, it's changed us, it's shaped us. That's the story of these followers of Jesus. If you remember in Acts 3, Peter and John, they bump into this beggar, someone who had some significant physical difficulties, and they healed this person. And it caused a big uproar in the city because people couldn't believe it. And so they get put on trial. Peter preaches this remarkable sermon. They get sent to the authorities. The authorities are basically, as we're going to see, saying, hey, don't do that anymore. You're creating an uproar. But what we're going to see is we're going to see in the middle of all of their trials and tribulations and challenges, their faith remains strong despite the fact that they're shaken. What did they know? What did they learn? What did they understand? That's what we're going to try to uncover in this passage today. We're gonna to read all the way in uh, Acts 4, all the way up until verse 31, but I wanted to just start with where we're gonna end. We're gonna start with the end in mind, but here's verse 31, this is what it says. After they play, prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And it's really a remarkable it's, it's, it's almost a word picture for what they were dealing with in their life. That life was turbulent. Life was up and down, moving to and fro. Life was anything but steady. That the tectonic plates underneath their life that they were standing on and living on were moving, but yet they remained secure. How? That's what we're going to try to understand through reading this. Let's, let's jump back to verse 18. This is where we're going to start. We're going to start in verse 18 and catch all the way back up to verse 31. Luke, uh, excuse me, Acts, the author of Acts, Luke, but Acts 4, 18. So then the authorities called John and Peter in again and they commanded them. They say, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Cut it out. Knock it off. Enough's enough. You're creating an uproar and we're tired of it. But Peter and John go, what are we supposed to do? In fact, they say, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judge. They said, hey, 
I, I get it. You're frustrated that there's an uproar. You're frustrated that people are really going, what in the world? This is crazy. They're healing people. Could Jesus really be the Messiah? We understand that this is undoing all that you have been trying to perpetuate. This is undoing all of the boxes in which you see life and the boxes in which you've put God. We understand that this is undoing all of that. We're not trying to create an uproar. We're not trying to create a, a rebellion. We're not trying to create problem in the streets. But we've had to answer the question, are we going to listen to you or are we going to listen to God? Here's the first big lesson on how do we remain secure when life shakes us. Number one, we recognize God as the ultimate judge. We recognize God as the ultimate judge. When I was talking to this gentleman this week who had just lost his job, of course he was concerned about how am I going to make ends meet, how am I going to pay for life financially, I'm concerned, but more than that, he was really concerned about his reputation. What does this say about me? What are people going to think about me? Specifically, what do I put on LinkedIn? How, how do I explain the fact that I just started working here two months ago and he bumped into a boss that he didn't get along with and real quickly, they got into a couple different arguments and it's still kind of tricky, a little bit like, you know, a breakup. You know, did you break up with me or did I break up with you? Well, I heard you were going to break up with me, so I went ahead and broke up with you, but who's at fault here, right? It was a little bit like that. And he didn't really know, did I get laid off? Did I get fired? How do I tell this story? How do I explain it? And what's worse is the CEO of this company that he had this tiff with is a pretty big deal in the industry that he's in. And so he's very concerned about his reputation and his name. He's very concerned about what are people going to say about him? And as we were talking about it, he and I talked about the simple idea that there are times in life where you cannot control what other people think about you. There are times in life where you want to control the narrative, but you cannot. And you have to eventually get to the place where you go, I have one judge in life and it is not you. God is my judge and God is not only my judge, but God is also my defender. You know that, right? That God, the almighty God defends his children. What does it look like for you to open up your hands and say, you know what? Yeah, life is, sh life is shaken. Things have not gone the way I want it to go. But I have to trust that if God is the ultimate judge, God is also my defender. He is the one who is going to vindicate me. He is the one that is going to, that, is, that manages my reputation. He's the one that I have to answer to. As the poet, the, the brilliant poet from our day, Taylor Swift said, <laughs> haters are going to hate, right? And, and, and we don't want to just throw our hands up in the air and go, oh, we'll do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. God is my judge. No, no, no. It's, it doesn't, doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we, we don't try to explain the situation. But we all have to get to a point where we say, you know what? God the Almighty is my judge. And yeah, life might be shaken, but I have to trust that he's the one. I have to believe that he's the one that ultimately defends me and judges me. They, they continue, they, they respond to the governing authorities and they say, but, but as for us, as for us, I mean, you, you tell me who's gonna be the judge, either you or God, I'll let you decide. We know our answer. And as for us, we cannot help 
speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. This line is such a brilliant line. They go, look, I get it. You don't want us to create a rebellion. You don't want us to create an uproar. I understand that. We're not trying to. We're not out here in the streets making stuff up, trying to, gener- trying to use fear to generate a lot of energy and get people upset and angry and try to get them to revolt and trying to get them to picket and trying to get them to protest. We're not doing any of that. We're just telling people what we have seen and what we have heard. I, I love that. I love how simple that little encouragement is. And maybe for somebody here today, that's what you need to hear. That you need to, hey, hey, don't focus on, when life is shaken, you have to focus on what you have seen and what you have heard. What what does that mean? It means they were celebrating what God had done. They were celebrating how God had been faithful. They were celebrating the fact that we thought life was over. We put all of our hope in this one that we thought was the Messiah. He said he was the Messiah, but then he died. In fact, you put him to death. And so we thought life was over. And then three days later, he resurrected from the dead and we weren't standing outside of the empty tomb going, watch this, this is gonna be incredible. Watch this, he's about to go roll it away. Watch it, check it, it's empty. Anybody see it? Do you see that? We weren't out there thinking it was gonna happen. We were crying, we were depressed, we were hopeless. We had all run our own way. We thought life was over. And then we found out that he really is who he says he is that he defeated death so that we could have a relationship with the Almighty forever. That's what we've seen, and that's what we've heard. And if you want us to stop talking about, if you want us to stop talking about politics, cool. If you want us to stop talking about policy, cool. But we can't stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard because it's too real. See, when you're you're in the middle of a hard situation, you all know this, right? I mean, if you're in the middle of a financial situation or maybe a bad breakup or you laid off from a job or you feel betrayed by some friends, it's real easy in that moment to let that get up. It's real easy for us to focus on that thing, right? And it's easy in that season for us to go, what has God done for me? It doesn't feel like he's done a lot for me because look at what's happened And our circumstances cause us to miss out on all that he has done. So sometimes it's important to back out and go, I don't just mean, what have I seen and heard lately? I mean, what has God done ever? How has God, how how has he showed up for me at any point in my life? There's this line that uh, Lizzie told me that she thinks maybe it's um, from uh, the the Irish history. But I, I just know for me, Dr. Howard Hendricks at Dallas Seminary used to say this line over and over again. It's one of those uh, lines of the, when they create the, the Dr. Howard Hendricks doll and they pull the string and it just says some of his famous sayings, which business idea for someone. Um, this is one of the things that I'm, I can hear him saying it over and over again. Don't doubt in the dark what you've learned in the light. Isn't it so easy for us to doubt in the dark the very thing that we learned in the light. Because when life is shaken, when things aren't going our way, it's real easy for us to question everything. Where is God? He's forgotten about us. He's left us. He's distracted. He's he's distant. 
He doesn't realize what we're going through. Oh, where is God? This is Psalm 13. How long, oh Lord, are you gonna let this happen? How long are you gonna let it go on? No, 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 no. I know you're in the dark. I know you're in a tough season. I know life is shaken. I know there's bombs that feel like they're being dropped all over you. But don't forget what it is that you learned in the light when he was faithful, when he showed up, when he reminded you that you're not alone, when he saved your soul, when he forgave you. Don't, don't, don't doubt in the dark what you've learned in the light. No, you focus on what you've seen. You focus on what you've heard, even when life is shaken. So Peter and John get released, as we're gonna see next in Acts 4. The authorities say, all right, uh, enough's enough. We don't really have anything to charge you specifically for. And so they release them and look at what they do. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. That not only did they focus on what they had seen and what they had heard, but they got around other Jesus followers. They went right back to their community of believers where they were anchored, where they were known the men and the women that had stood by their side, that had supported them financially, that had been praying for them, that had been praying with them, they immediately went back to them and said, we gotta testify to what God has done. That, that concept, you know, testify to what God has done, sounds so formal, you know, for some of you, maybe that sounds churchy, for some of you, maybe that reminds you of a church you went to at some point. But real simply, I think the takeaway for me, what God encouraged my soul with this week was just simply this. Would you be willing to talk about what God is actively doing? Would you just be willing to talk about it? Evangelism's tricky, right? Because we get intimidated by it and feel like I can't answer everybody's question. But would you be willing to just bring it up with people that know him, People that are your people, your community. He, Peter and John went back to their own people. But even people that are not, would you be willing to talk about what God is doing at work? Talk about what God is doing in the morning with your kids. Talk about it when you're taking them to school. Talk about what you're praying for and what you're learning about God and what you're reading in scripture. It doesn't have to be this complicated thing. No, would you just be willing to go and report just... Talk about it, just testify, say, hey, this is crazy, but here's something I'm learning about the Almighty. This is something he's doing in my life, and I just can't stop talking about it. Can't stop, won't stop, because of all that he's doing in my life. I'm telling you, when you're passionate about something, you know it. You talk about it. When you're excited about something, you talk about it. So not driven by guilt, not driven to try to, even that God might do anything with it. No, just, would you be willing to just share what, you're, what God's done in your life? How he's changed you, what he's actively doing, what he's helping you to see, what he's getting you through, how he's holding you in the middle of life being shaken. So they get back to their friends, they get back to their community, and, and they start praying together. Naturally, this is what they just commonly do. They get together and they celebrate and they share needs and then they pray together. Next verse, here, here's what they prayed. When they heard this, when all the men and women in the room heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Look at this. They say, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord. 
I love that phrase, that he is the sovereign Lord. You know this term, right? Sovereign. He is in charge. He, he ha- there's no domain that is not under him. He is ultimately sovereign. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, you made the earth, you made the sea, you made everything in it. And then they call back to the Old Testament. They grab these passages that were relevant then, but are relevant now. They, they, said, they said that you, oh God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And you said, why do the nations rage and why do the people plot in vain? You're not caught off guard by this. You know that the nations are going to rage, that people are going to plot against you. You know that the kings of the earth, they rise up. And you know that the rulers band together against the Lord and against his holy and anointed one. In other words, God, th- this isn't catching you by surprise. That, that, that we bumped into this financial collapse. You knew that, that we bumped into this relational problem. That, that we have a kid who we can't figure out what to do. That we have our, some aging parents. That we have a jobless situation. God, you're, you understand this is life. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make it go away. But there's something powerful about choosing to believe that God has the whole world in his hands. In another passage in the Old Testament it says that the almighty God uses the earth as his footstool. Isn't that a pretty remarkable picture of God's power and his authority and his sovereignty? That you, oh God, that you are the ruler, that you are the one in charge, that you are the authority over all. Which begs the question, well then God, why are you letting this happen? Why, why does God let things happen? We, we, we have all wrestled with that question and there's so many different answers to it. Some of it is we live in a broken, fallen world. Some of it is because sometimes God needs to course correct us. He's not doing it to punish us. He's doing it to correct us in love. And sometimes he's doing it to prune something out of it. But all the time, he's doing it. He's allowing it because it draws us closer to him. How many of you have that story that you went through something hard? Maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it was some kind of financial problem. Maybe it was a job loss. Maybe it was a health scare. Maybe you lost someone you loved. And it was tragic and it was awful and you would never want it again. You'd never ask for it again. But what you can say, your testimony is, but God used it to grow my relationship with him in a remarkable way, a way that I'll never forget. I've learned to draw onto him. I've learned to draw close to him. I've learned to have this intimate, personal relationship with him. Last one, number five, it's made me realize that how do we make it? When life is shaken, well, we trust that if struggles show up in your life, it has come through God's hand. You know that, right? That if a struggle has fallen in your lap, if a problem has fallen into your lap and you would go, God, what is going on here? You can trust that it didn't catch God by surprise, that God's not asleep at the wheel, that God's not like Jesus laying in that boat asleep going, whoa, the storm. No, God knows, he knows, he knows, he knows. And just because he's not answering it the way you want him to answer it, just because he's not moving the way you want him to move doesn't mean that he's not active. You can trust that if it's showing up in your life, he knows about it. And even more than that, he's going to use it in remarkable ways. 
He's going to use it. He's going to use it in your life. He's going to use it to grow your faith. He's going to use it to grow your trust. He's going to use it to bring you closer to him. He's going to use it to help you see life the way he wants you to see life. They continued to pray. They said, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they've met together and the people of Israel in this city and they've conspired against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They're telling God all this, like God doesn't know this. God's like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm not happy about it, but I know. But they're just reminding him, God, remember, this is what's been going on. And they did what your power, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And so now, Lord, consider their threats. I like that. Consider their threats. God, would you pay attention to their threats? But ultimately, God, would you enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness? But God, in the middle of it all, would you use us? Yeah, life's shaken and we're being threat, threatened and we, there's, there's potential harm, but would you use this to let us speak your name with boldness? Would you stretch out your hand to heal? And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke of the word of God boldly. Here's, here's why I wanted to read that second half of this verse is because a lot of times when life is shaken, we feel like we're worse off because of it. It's natural. But Peter and John seems like they would say, no, our life was shaken and we were better for it. God used it to draw on his spirit and to speak his word with boldness. Here's the way I ended that silly little graduation speech is I, I told everybody about this uh, picture dictionary, which I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this. Some of you that don't love to read, this is kind of nice. Uh, there's a dictionary. You look up a word and they give you a picture, right? Because a picture uh, is worth a thousand words, right? So it's a rich dictionary. This dictionary, if you look up the word faith, if you look up the word faith, you know what you find? you find? You find this rope that's hanging off the edge of a cliff and the rope is tied around your waist. So if you track that rope back up the cliff, you're just dangling there, you're hanging. What's the most important thing in this picture? Where that rope is tied. That, where, where that rope is tied is everything. Where that rope is tied is life. It's what you're staking your life on. It's what you're depending on. It's what you're hoping in. It's where your faith is. I would imagine if Peter and John were here today, they would tell us, don't, don't, don't tie your rope around your bank account. Don't tie your rope around your health. Don't tie your rope around your ministry. Don't tie your rope around your family. Love your family, but don't tie your rope around them. Now, who's the only one that can hold you up when life is shaken? Jesus. So would you tie your rope around him? Would you tie your rope around the only one that can hold you up when life is shaken? Heavenly Father, um, I pray that today, even in a, in a context like this, that we would, in our hearts and our souls, that we would be able to do that. God, I have no idea if we were to pass the microphone and allow people to share what they're going through. God, we would be stunned every single time I'm reminded that we're all going through so much. We've all been shaken. 
For every single one of us, there's stuff going on in our life that's real. Makes us feel like the sand is shifting. The wind is blowing. We don't know up from down. So, Father, we just pray in a moment like this, would you give us the faith, the hope? Would you give us the courage to tie our rope around you and you alone? You are our only hope. To hope in anything else is empty, it's silly, it's worthless. It doesn't mean there's not great things in life, but the only way that we can sustain, the only way we can make it through the earthquakes of life is to hold on to you, and even more importantly than that, for you to hold on to us. And so we just thank you that even while we can't hold on to you, that you are holding on to us. I can't imagine being in that room that day where the ground was shaken and everybody's going, yeah, but we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right because God is on the move. Because Jesus has won the day. Because the spirit of God is present and he's active and he's in us. And so no matter what comes our way, Father, we tell you that we are yours and you are ours. For the person today, maybe that has never tied their rope around you, I pray that today would be their day. Whatever that looks like for them, that they would choose to tie their rope, to put their faith in you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.